Here's a few exciting scenes from tonight's episode of The Tom Gully Show. Well, we're here in the luxury automobile of Dave Michaels taking the JFK assassination tour. My background is I was working for the Dallas Police Department. I worked in the physical evidence section, which is now known as crime scene investigation. We are right now uh, in the grassy knoll, correct? Correct. You're on the. You're at the very end of what was a WPA project that was uh, started in 1938 to 1940. This was by uh, order of uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. FDR. FDR, that's correct. And the question is never about who. It's never about Lee Harvey Oswald. It's never been about Traficante. It's never been about Marcello. It's never been about Clay Shaw. It's never been about David Ferry. It's never been about any of these names I can drop over and over and over again. It's the why. Why was Kennedy killed? And these are the answers that the public has to ask because the you know every shot hit except for one yes and it bounced off the street and a fragment of it hit some guy in the cheek guy by the name of uh, tag over here underneath the underpass and he was on the elm street side of the underpass where a piece of fragment of of concrete went into his chin and lacerated his chin it's a head-on shot from the sixth floor uh, uh, sniper's perch looking back up Houston Street as he makes that right-hand turn he's looking right at the at not only Kennedy but he's got Conley he's got the Secret Service and it's almost a standstill it is because you had to make that right-hand turn you're only doing four miles an hour then you're slowing down to make the left-hand turn now you're three miles an hour and he's right in front of you so why did you wait till you got on Elm Street and no trees either not nothing blocking your view so the question begs to be asked why did you wait till you got on Elm Street? We just about killed a cat just now. I almost did. I almost ran over a cat. Due to some violent content, parental discretion is advised. It's time, America. Mr. and Mrs. North and South American, all the ships at sea, let's go to press. So sit back, buckle in, place your tray table in its upright locked position, and get ready for big time radio, friends. It's time for... Saturday, November 22nd, 2014, episode 229. I'm Tom Gully, and tonight on The Tom Gully Show. It is no secret that I live in Dallas, Texas, and as such, I tried to avail myself of all the great things that the DFW Metroplex has to offer, like great music, incredible food, uh, super hot girls, and a lot of other things, one of which is Dealey Plaza site of the assassination of President John F. Kennedy and the Sixth Floor Museum, located in the former Texas School Book Depository. The Tom Gully Show took a visit and also availed ourselves of Dallas native and broadcaster Dave Michaels, who, as it happens, also used to work for the Dallas Police in their crime investigation unit. We'll take the route Kennedy took on the way to the plaza, we'll visit the Grassy Knoll, we'll visit the Sixth Floor Museum, and we'll discuss all the various aspects of that day in November of 1963. It's our visit to Dealey Plaza and the Sixth Floor Museum with our buddy Dave Michaels tonight on this episode of The Tom Gully Show. You're listening to The Tom Gully Show. Shazam! Just send an email to tom at thetomgullyshow.com. Well, we're here in the luxury automobile of Dave Michaels taking the JFK assassination tour. We're crossing over Cedar Springs, which the motorcade took to its fateful drive-by of the... Texas School Book Depository. 
uh, I don't think the streets have been repaved or altered in any way since then by the bumpiness of them anyway and uh, let's see what what are we on right now no I mean we're on maple where's the doggone place I used to perform at Ruby's Cretia's sorry yeah there it is down there on the left yeehaw and uh, with the R R Ruby Lounge at Cretia's um, has nothing to do with the JFK assassination very cold today here in Dallas by Dallas standards it's probably in the 50s It'll get back up to the 70s in a couple days. But uh, on that fateful day, it was, what, about 60 degrees or something? It rained earlier in the day. Well, it rained, and they were the discussion was whether to take the bubble top or not. And when, they landed, when they came from Fort Worth and landed in Dallas Love Field, the sun broke loose, and the temperatures started to get a little warmer. And President Kennedy, at that time, told the Secret Service to remove the bubble top from the, from the limo. Because he wanted the people to be able to see him that had come out to... Uh, show their support after the lovely one-page art one-page ad taken out telling him to get the hell out of dallas well, uh, that day well just three weeks earlier prior to his arrival to dallas uh, uh ambassador adelie stevenson from the u.n was in dallas and got uh, assaulted with placards and was spat on and thrown eggs at as uh, as he was making a speech and leaving as a matter of fact so kennedy there was there was a big riff also between senator yarborough Ralph oh, yeah. Yarborough of Texas and in Lyndon Johnson, for that matter. In fact, it was uh, Kennedy's order that Johnson sit in the same car as Yarborough as they go through the motorcade. And with that being said, Kennedy wanted the people of Texas, as he said, to be he wanted to be accessible to him. So as they were driving through Dallas, uh, you know, the, the throngs of crowds that were lining the streets and they were, you know, sparse here and there. But for the most part, they, they had big crowds all along the motorcade route. And that, uh, first of all, impressed President Kennedy. And secondly, it also showed that he, uh, that, that Dallas- We just about killed a cat just now. I almost did. I almost ran over a cat. We should have. It would have been fitting. Uh, it, was it was one of those things. I stopped though. I didn't hit it. No, no. I'm. You did very well. I was hoping we would hit it because number one, I'm not crazy cats. about cats, but number two, it would have been commemorative of the the, the life that was lost. <laughs> we could have called that cat uh, JD Tippett. Um, and by the way, they just uh, unveiled on uh, 10th Street in Panton a uh, state commemorative placard uh, for JD Tippett. Uh, and a friend of mine actually was a part of that. His name was uh, Ferris Rookstool. Well, there's a the theater that he went in uh, every November 22nd actually reshows the the picture that that was playing that day. It's very controversial. Do you know what the what the picture was? No, I I, I Murphy. War's hell. Oh boy. <laughs> I know that uh, the picture that was playing when they shot. Uh, Dillinger, fellow Indiana boy, was Manhattan Melodrama with Clark Gable. He was a big Gable fan. Was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. Wow. Oh, yeah. Let's see. The Perot Museum of Science and Nature. That's, I'm assuming, Ross Perot? Yeah, and that's about to open Saturday, this coming Saturday. It's very unique looking for here in Dallas. Uh, I can't help but look at it and go, why don't you come in here and see some science and nature? Get on in here, damn it. I got charts. <laughs> At any rate, we are... Uh, the earth cooling and dinosaurs roaming and... Get out of my chair. <laughs> <laughs> You're flying blind without instruments. Get out of my way. All right, we are... Coverage will continue when we get down to Dealey Plaza and start... We're not, we're not that far, but uh, my arm hurts from, oh, from reaching across to get Dave's very sage... Uh, observations about you need, you need to tell everybody the background of, of what I did and, and how the Kennedy assassination and I are connected well I will do that but we should do that like while we're out on the plaza okay. uh, and that's that's a tease I'll even hold the microphone to Dave's uh, exciting relationship with 
the Kennedy assassination. And, and we've mentioned it before. We mentioned it on one of the previous shows, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We sure as hell did. Uh, no, you actually brought oh, it up. There? Yeah, you, you. I was interviewing you, and you are the one that, that brought it up and mentioned it as we <laughs> enter the lovely West End district here in uh, Dallas. Yeah, it's probably where we're going to have lunch at later. And uh, we're going to be having lunch at the Spaghetti Warehouse? Probably. Most likely. Okay. If not, we'll figure Isn't it out. Isn't there a big uh, Mexican place down here on the West End, too? Actually, El Phoenix, the original El Phoenix is back. We just passed it as coming in. Dave, I'm going to uh, acquiesce to whatever your lunchtime, because I, I know that you're a... Uh, well, you're buying. <laughs> oh, am I? Well, then we better go to uh, Crystal Burger. Uh, yeah, is there a Mickey D's around here? But uh, There's a school book depository right there, right to our left. That's the Texas School Book Depository. The shaft that you see, the, the elevator shaft, that is designed specifically for the sixth floor museum. So only that goes from the ground to the sixth floor. And uh, Dallas, Texas, one of the few places where people can get away with saying right on the left there. Yes, actually we can because it is on my left and it was right there on the left. <laughs> that and they don't say Thanksgiving, they say Thanksgiving. They don't say Halloween, they say Halloween. Which they also say fixin' to. Yes. <laughs> and you do not say I'd like to never, like we do in Indiana. I like to never got my foot out of that mud hole. Yeah, anyway. but I'm fixin' to leave that mud hole. <laughs> and so we're actually close, sort of, to, well, not that close, to that's to Dallas City Hall. We're, no, we're not. We're not anywhere we're not. So. We're not that close, no. Now, old City Hall. Yeah. The original City Hall the IMP building got built is actually uh, on Commerce Street and that's the building I worked in when I was with the Dallas Police Department. We're going to find parking and then walk around Dealey Plaza and continue our stories. My only regret is that Andre Girard is not here with us, but we'll 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 do our best without him. Okay, so I, I as a kid was a huge assassination buff, you know. I my, I had all the life magazines my grandmother had saved them. And uh, so I moved to Dallas, and I, I always said to myself, oh, I should go down to Dealey Plaza. Well, right after I got here, I was sort of being auditioned for a job, and I came downtown and parked my car, started walking, and I had this faintly familiar feeling. And guess what? I looked around and said, oh, my God, I'm here. Oh, and I know where we're, we're at right now. Oh, boy, is this guy giving a lecture over here to the left? We are right now uh, in the grassy knoll, correct? Correct. You're on the, you're at the very end of what was a WPA project that was uh, started in 1938 to 1940. This was by uh, order of uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. FDR. FDR. That's correct. And uh, Roosevelt, his plan was to put people to work. So what they did is they built a plaza where three streets in Dallas converge under an underpass, also known as the triple underpass, where the uh, Elm Street, uh, Main Street, which is a two-way road, Elm Street one way going back to the west, and then Commerce Street going back to the east. So you have all these three uh, arteries going underneath uh, a bridge, or railroad bridge, if you will. So they built this plaza, and they named it after John Dealey. John Dealey was the founder, no, I'm sorry, George Dealey, uh, was the founder of the Dallas Morning News. Uh, which uh, is not that far from where we're standing right now, um, but it, below. And now it's below. Yeah, and and you know, uh, and that fence is where allegedly there were some hobos, some some bums or somebody well, back the bums, there. The bums were actually being taken back behind here, where the where the railroad uh, tracks are, but they were actually going along uh, uh, Lamar which is about a block over well, from where we're at. They originally spotted yeah. by the railroad track. Yeah, yeah. But then they but they were arrested yeah. with no arrest reports yeah. over here on the... Uh, uh, by and a deaf guy that came out years later was supposedly right here and saw a bunch of stuff in one of the documentaries I've seen. But yeah, they, they built a little... Uh, a little, uh, you know, a little deal here. Which, uh, Zapruder was standing on... We're probably, I don't know, about 50 yards from where he was actually standing with his 8mm camera. Now, unfortunately, you can't see, but we're on radio. There's an X 
in the middle lane on Elm Street, and that's where the fatal head wound is supposedly taking place. In fact, there's an X a little further up the road, up toward Houston Street, which is a little bit further east of where we're at, probably maybe, I don't know, 20 yards from where this X is, uh, where apparently the first shot was. And are those, the, the city didn't put those there, those were done by by the computer graphic, uh, The I know a few years ago, one of the big documentaries went up into the book depository, and uh, by recalibrating the, the magic bullet thing, they, they never take into account that the seats in that were for display. In other words, one of the seats is raised up, one's dropped down, so that you can see both occupants when they're, uh, yeah, and they and they're and they're off center too. Well, they they calibrated for that with the great computer technology that we have now, and then they also got the exact points on the street. So, did the city put those X's there, or did somebody else? No, those are usually done by the people who hold court, if you will, along Dealey Plaza. So they they put it out there. Uh, the other thing that a lot of people don't understand is that the sixth floor window where the school book depository where apparently the the sniper's perch is allegedly put there's a couple of trees that are actually in front of that building and they're texas live oaks and in november as you and, and we're on november 27th right now those are pretty well full with leaves so you're shooting through high foliage and getting three shots off in 5.6 seconds according to the zapruder film time footage this is the one piece of evidence that nobody ever figured out that was going to be there in, in fact, here's an interesting little... Well, the trees are bigger now. Well, yeah. No, they've actually been cut back. They, they were cut back... For, well, they got to be taller. Well, yeah, but they were cut back for the Oliver Stone uh, yeah. uh, movie that was shot, what, 91, I think? Um, well, they've got like an 80-year-old dude on one of these uh, uh, documentaries that goes through all the shots and, you know, with the hand, you know, yeah. re... re uh, Racking of the the uh, the whole he does the whole thing in plenty of time. He does, but I mean, but you have to be accurate because the you know every shot hit except for one. Yes, and it bounced off the street, and a fragment of it hit some guy in the cheek. Guy by the name of uh, Tag over here underneath the underpass, and he was on the Elm Street side of the underpass, where a piece of fragment of of concrete went into his chin and lacerated his chin, and. If you account for that bullet, you've accounted for the seven wounds that one bullet made between two people, and then you have the headshot. Yeah. All right. By definition of what I just described, you have a conspiracy. Just by definition, meaning more than one gunman. And the question is never about who. It's never about Lee Harvey Oswald. It's never been about Traficante. It's never been about Marcello. It's never been about Clay Shaw. It's never been about David Ferry. It's never been about any of these names I can drop over and over and over again. It's the why. Why was Kennedy killed? And these are the answers that the public has to ask. Because if your government covered it up, then the question has to be, why? Well, and they sealed those records up for so long. 75 years? Yeah, it was a, or 100. I mean, they, uh, uh, RFK and, and uh, Martin Luther King were like 50 years. And uh, the other ones, you know, the JFK was 100. And there, uh, there's a plaque down there by the street. There's a, uh, one of the theories that I always find humorous is the one where there was a guy shooting from the street drain opening. Yeah. down there on the street yeah it's right across from where we're standing by the way you can see how small opening that is and there's no way that would have happened no, no but we are right here in the grassy knoll very restful pla- peaceful at the moment uh the plaque, the plaque by the way that's down there that's a national landmark this is now a national it's on the national archives that was uh placed uh and in, in, in i can almost imagine what it was like uh on thursday which was thanksgiving day and it was the 49th anniversary of the assassination because this place gets crowded. Oh yeah, and and right, it's so weird to be standing here because where we're standing is where the famous shot of uh, uh, Clint Hill mm-hmm. jumping onto the back of the uh, limousine and the the thing finally speeding away underneath the overpass as a uh, Dallas light rail dart <laughs> goes over right now. But we are right exactly where the, the scene that you've seen over t- millions and millions of times yep it's it's got traffic flowing through it and everything else so uh this is actually unusual it's very rare that i've actually been in the plaza and there's nobody here 
Oh. I mean, it's it's empty. And it's very, very unusual. There's usually a ton of people just mealing around. But uh, I guess, you know, new work week and right after a holiday. So I guess everybody's back at work. Well, and, and like I said, uh, in one of those bu- the, the one of those buildings up, up the street here uh, is where I was interviewing for a job or at least being courted by people that wanted to interview me. And I'm walking and I'm like, this is so familiar to me. And I went, oh, my God. You know, because there's no big sign that says Dealey Plaza as you're as you're coming here or anything. It's just downtown Dallas, and uh, yeah, we're 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 right here now. Was this structure here? Uh, all this this entire structure that we're standing on and around was built in 1938 and completed in 1940. Uh, so this entire plaza, which is the the familiar white facades that you have seen on on television, you've seen in the Zapruder film, you've seen in the Mary Mormon photograph that was shot from across. Yeah the Elm Street where she's shooting back with a Polaroid camera uh, of the fatal head wound. Well, the, the stone and the, and the brick and the concrete and all that, that's all been here. This has been here forever. Now, next year, the 50th anniversary, they are talking about how they're going to spruce all of this up. We'll see fresh paint. We'll see uh, the cracks fixed and, and, and the entire Dealey Plaza will be fixed up for the 50th anniversary of the assassination. Now they they turned just right down here, and they were going much slower than the normal Secret Service uh, standards as they were were turning down the street there. And the, the motorcade came down Main Street, which is the second street over from where we're standing right now. As they came down Main Street, they made a right-hand turn. Which, by the way, Houston Street is the street right in front of Dealey Plaza. You can't turn right now; it's a one yeah. way going the other yeah. direction. So they turned right. And then they came onto Elm Street. So to make that right-hand turn in front of the records building, which is what that building is today, coming down in front of the school book depository, making that left-hand turn, you had to go, slow down to three miles an hour. Now, the question that has always been begged in, the, in Oliver Stone's movie and other uh, documentaries wanted to know why, if you're a lone gunman, why didn't you take the headshot from coming down Houston Street? Yeah. You're, it's a head-on shot right. from the sixth floor uh, uh, sniper's perch looking back up Houston Street. As he makes that right-hand turn, he's looking right at the at not only Kennedy, but he's got Conley, he's got the Secret Service. And it's almost a standstill. It is, because you had to make that right-hand turn. You're only doing four miles an hour. Then you're slowing down to make the left-hand turn. Now you're at three miles an hour, and he's right in front of you. Yeah. So why did you wait till you got on Elm Street? And no trees either. Not Nothing blocking your view. Yeah. So the question begs to be asked. Why did you wait till you got on Elm Street? I don't know, but I, I know this. There's there's so much crap in that Oliver Stone movie. It's not even funny. Well, there is. Uh, I mean, because the whole, whole movie's based on uh, Jim Garrison's sort of investigation. And Jim Garrison might have done a lot of good things, but he was also a Fruit Loop of the highest order. Some of the things in that in that trial of his, a, a guy dressed up as Jesus Christ uh, testified in that trial, and, and a, a, a million other things. There is a website called 100 Errors of Fact in Oliver Stone's JFK, and they just plow through it. It's absolutely well, hilarious. The, the thing about, okay, the bad side is he, th- there's fabrication. The good side, however, is that it, it makes you question. Yeah. The, the Mr. X uh, compulated character, which is basically Pouty, Colonel Pouty, yeah. uh, I mean, what he said is all true. There was not, nothing fabricated about that dis, that discussion. Yeah. That, I mean, he had documentations. It was all true. Uh, there was also... Uh, so, if you take that, the question still is arised. Why? Well, the questions arise, but I just have a problem with... And it's not just Oliver Stone. It's a lot of the historical movies that are just so factually accurate. Uh, even Titanic. They go on and on and on about how this is... Uh, reproduce this ship down to the teacup. It's like, yeah, but, but the story's not true. You know, uh, there's little tiny... People died on it. Yeah, well, yeah, there's some of the people that are died on it are, 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 are depicted, but people, the average citizen, isn't smart enough to realize when they're watching JFK. You don't know how many times I've had to tell people, no, no, that, see, that never actually happened. That's, that, that, that guy doesn't really exist. And they're like, oh, no, 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 it's in the movie. Well, just because it's in a movie doesn't make it... You know, accurate. The, na- the names that were thrown around, the David Ferries, the Clay Shaws, mm-hmm. or Bertram, or, or you know, in uh, uh, Pierre Rousseau, they, they actually exist. Sure. And they're documented, and yes, they, they had some sort of connection, but the script is a script. It's, it's fabricated words. You know, none, none of the, none that was stated was accurate. Um, here's, here's a piece that you might want to chew on for a moment. Mm-hmm. Okay. We are big fans now of, of, certain television series such as CSI 
uh, where you have crime scene investigation. And we all know that you don't jump to conclusions. However, when Kennedy was shot, the first reports, he was shot at 12.30 Central Standard Time. The first reports came in at uh, 12.40 on CBS, the first bulletin. And the first bulletin that came out that was read was President Kennedy's been shot. Apparently three shots rang out. How the hell do you know? How the hell do you know? There's no, you didn't investigate it. You heard mm -hmm. three shots. <clears throat> yeah. So all of a sudden the American people are already being, I mean, you're being fed by the media. Three shots rang out. Mm -hmm. So now the Warren Commission takes that and runs with it. And I don't know if you've read all 26 volumes. Oh, yes. Okay. That's a, that you want to talk about fabrication? Yeah. You want to talk about something that isn't true? Read all 26 volumes. I have. It's the most boring as read in the world, but I've read it. Well, even if you read the, uh, you know, the final sort of abridged report. The 27th volume. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's stuff in there where you're going, well, but, 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 but he just said something you should probably follow up on. And they go and they shut him down. Exactly. It's just, oh, that doesn't fall into what we're thinking. Uh, one of the things that's hilarious to me is that the... Uh, the shell casings uh, that were lined up in a, anyone who's ever fired any kind of weapon that ejects a casing the brass for the for, for it to line up totally perpendicularly perfect it, it's just never gonna happen true and we're talking about a rifle that's poorly made a piece of crap it was you know how much it cost it cost twelve dollars and fifty cents <laughs> mail order exactly had a defective uh, scope apparently mm -hmm. and Okay, they didn't find a fingerprint on it until after Oswald was dead. The first gun they held up that said it was the gun wasn't the gun. The gun. No. And there's, there's all sorts of varying reports of Lee Harvey Oswald's skill as a marksman. There's some people that are like, oh no, he was an amazing marksman. And there's other people that are like, he got Maggie's drawers like crazy. Uh, so it just depends on who you talk to, I guess. But uh, Well... I don't know. Did you ever watch the movie uh, Full Metal Jacket? Yeah. Okay. And the sergeant who walks around says, Charles Whitman, yeah. Lee Harvey Oswald, what do they have in common? Yeah. yeah. U.S. Marines. Well, not only U.S. Marines, but they were able to hit as a sniper from X amount of yards with accuracy. Mm -hmm. And thank you so very much for playing. <laughs> well, he said a lot of things. He didn't just say that one thing as we navigate through. Oh, and there's some other people here now showing up and pointing and talking. Other people that know far less about this than we do. <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> no, you'd be, you'd be surprised. My background is I was working for the Dallas Police Department. I worked in the physical evidence section, which is now known as crime scene investigation. And we were, back in 1983, 84, 85, 86, I had all the physical evidence left in Dallas by the federal government on a murder of John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Well, this is still an open, unsolved murder case. Actually, they, from my understanding from the federal government, it is a closed case now. But Dallas didn't close it, did they? No, the federal government did. Ah. So it's no longer an active, uh, ongoing investigation. However, if you talk to some of the conspiracy theorists that wander around Dealey Plaza, you get different answers. And we just passed some, by the way. Oh, there, there, are, there are a few here. Well, they're tourists, but they're, I'm sure they're here for similar reasons. Uh, it is a very historical place. It's so eerie being here, though. It really is. It gives you it gives you a a, a reason to pause. Yeah. I mean, this is a, this is an area in which, you know, history was made. There there had not been an execution in, of an executive since Lincoln. You know, we're, we're, McKinley. Well, McKinley, but I mean, Lincoln was so. I mean, his his was. I don't know what's the word that someone once used panache. With, well, yeah. yeah with, Booth, with Booth firing from behind yeah. and then leaping to the stage. and then Well, there's a great book called Manhunt that just came out a few years ago, and it tells the story of the whole assassination of Abraham Lincoln, which that's what got me into Kennedy's, you know, because there's the whole Kennedy, oh, yeah. Lincoln, I'm, you know, Lincoln. Parallels. Yeah. Lincoln was uh, shot, in, uh, shot at Ford's Theater, and, and Kennedy was shot in a Ford. Well, but there's also... Uh, <laughs> Kennedy had a secretary named Lincoln. Lincoln had a secretary named Kennedy. They were both elected in 1960. They both, uh, year, sorry, year ending in 60. There's a, a tons of... presidents were Johnson. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of parallels there. And that's what got me into the Kennedy thing, but... Lincoln freed the slaves, and Kennedy was giving the Civil Rights Act. 
Well, and, and the other thing is that, um, you know, uh, that manhunt for John Wilkes Booth was the most giant manhunt in United States history at the time. Uh, oh, I know what it was. Uh, uh, the theater and warehouse. Uh, Kennedy was shot in a theater and then his assassin w ran to a barn or a warehouse to... Uh, Kennedy went from a warehouse to a uh, Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, the assassin did anyway. Uh, was at a theater and shot Tippett and all, you know. Um, just a ton of ton of parallels, but uh, but read that book Manhunt about the the, the Lincoln assassination because uh, Lincoln was taken across the street to a boarding house, right, and and put in a guy's room. Yeah, the the guy's bed spread his own personal belongings and everything. They said, hey, the president's been shot. Get out of here. Pretty much. So he had to leave for like three days. While Lincoln was sitting there hanging on, hanging on, hanging on. Well, considering what he was shot with, I mean, you know, if it had, had, had modern medicine, Lincoln might have survived. Oh, he, he probably would have because the, the school of thought was to uh, leave it in there. And they did. Instead of taking it out, he just sort of slowly succumbed. Uh, here's another uh, kind of... Um, That's about John Neely Bryan, who's yeah. basically the founder of... Of Dallas, so. and uh, I don't know if he's related to Sonny Bryan at all, but no, he's not. John Neely Bryan is—he was the founder of Dallas. He, he was the first settler here, and uh, Sonny Bryan, a, a local barbecue. local barbecue joint. All right, five hundred one Elm Street, right, which is very—we're looking right at it from Elm and Houston. Five hundred one Elm Street. You know whose office was in there? No, Abraham Zapruder. Oh wow. Good old Abe. His, him, and his family made a few, few coins from the. Uh, from he the. He didn't uh, want to make any money on that. That wasn't his thing. His, no. his whole thing. He was a dress manufacturer. He was, he was a pattern maker, and uh, or as we like to say, he's in the shamata business. Because I mean, he was in the rag business, you know. Well, he ended up getting some money for it anyway. Got one. Thank you. Guy trying to sell us a brochure. I don't think he's associated with the, uh, no, he made that in his basement. Again, we're, we're kind of walking in encyclopedia <laughs> on this, but, uh, well, I think we're about to go into the museum, aren't we? So I'm going to, we're going to go into the sixth floor museum. I'm going to have to turn this off because they're very, very strict about, uh, recording devices. So we'll probably pick this up from. The spaghetti warehouse <laughs> but they did have some very unique photographs and uh, artifacts I'd never seen I was really in love with the display that had all the various cameras and uh, film cameras and if you're local you know a gentleman by the name of Brett Shep his father Bert was uh, working for Channel 8 at the time and his cameras down there as well along with the Pruders and, and a lot of other Mary Mormons uh, Polaroid was there yeah. And and the uh, the Associated Press machine, uh, I've worked in stationed. I well, oh no, it said Associated Press on the front of it. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that UPI had its as well. But uh, man, it was so awesome because I was going. I have used. I've worked at stations that had that exact same machine. That exact machine. Oh God, a huge one. And then to read the actual teletype from that, that station where it was get off, get off, get off. In other words, you local stations, get your stupid news off of the, the ticker, so to speak. Uh, it was really awesome. Here comes our 40th anniversary colas. And uh, it's 40, took 40 years to manufacture this Coca-Cola right here. Uh, here at the Spaghetti Warehouse. You know, there's a place in Indianapolis called Spaghetti Factory. And I think they're probably in cahoots. They make it at the factory and they store it here at the warehouse. Um, but I got to tell you, it was it was pretty awesome. Really, really dug it. Uh, very much enjoyed seeing the tel the old uh, Associated Press and just all the stuff there it was great. Well, one thing I noticed that wasn't shown in uh, in either the video or the still photographs, they're not showing the headshot. They're not showing it. No, no, no. And and so because that's the telltale sign when you when you actually see where the bullet hits, how it hits, then you make your own mind up. Too graphic, though. It is. 
Sure it is. I mean, every time you, I mean, I've shown that Zapruder film to high school classes, and as jaded as kids are today because of the video games and reality TV and what have you, when they actually see something like that, you still get the same reaction. You still get a, ooh, you know, because it's real. That's not fake. You know, that's not that's not make believe. That's not Hollywood. No, and it even even you know y- you can see other actual real uh, film of people being shot. That one is even amongst those an owie. I mean, yeah, it's it is uh, back into the left. Yeah, it's gruesome. It's very gruesome. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna shut this off so they'll come and serve us, and then we'll do more on the street maybe, and certainly on the, on the ride back. Uh, maybe we'll ride back through the original route and both duck our heads when we back into the left. Yeah. Uh, c- continuing coverage will continue shortly after we get our three-course meal here at the Spaghetti Warehouse. So the museum bookstore that's not in the museum is in Abram Zapruder's old office. We are taking the Russian route home, which I... Does that mean we're going to be rushing back, or you're turning right? Oh, okay. We are actually taking the same route with well, once we get on Elm Street, Elm Street uh, that Kennedy took part of the way. Um, maybe. But I'm, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I've, so I've got it set up so, like this. You're so wrong. Uh, okay, so we're right now in the exact same lane. Yeah, that is without question. We're going under the overpass, which is always weird. Is you go under an overpass or over an underpass? I guess it doesn't matter. And then the three highways. What did you call it? The three. The triple underpass. The triple underpass, which Dave had uh, several years ago, right? Well, I only had one, and that wasn't even a bypass. I had a stent. Uh, Dave had a quick stint in the hospital. <laughs> anyway, uh, Dave will be doing a, an NBA Legends game, or what is it, a Texas Legend, NBA Legends? It's, it's D-League. It's the D-League. The D used to be called the D-League. Still is. It's developmental league for the NBA. But it's called Legends? The Texas Legends is the Dallas Mavericks uh, oh, it's farm the, team. That's the team name. Okay. And that's just done on a regional basis, right? Uh, as far as the... The television, the televised? No, the teams. Now, no, most teams in the NBA have developmental teams. Right, I know, but but they don't. You you guys aren't going to play the, uh, you know, there used to be one in Fort Wayne called the uh, Mad Ants. If they were associated with the Indiana Pacers, yes. Okay. Well, no, no, it, that is one of the D League teams. So. Yeah, they'll play. Okay. Well, Dave's doing that later on, but now we're on the highway, which they did not take to Parkland Hospital, did they? They did. You're on the route that they took to Parkland right now. Wow. I imagine there's less traffic. Uh, On November 22, 63, there wasn't that much traffic. The building that's coming up right now that we're approaching, the Infomart at that time in 1963 was an actual football stadium. Uh, It was PC Cobb Stadium. They have since tore that down and built what became the Infomart, and this is kind of where the market area of Dallas starts. So you have the Infomart, you have the World Trade Center, then where he was going to speak at was called the Trademart, which is next door to the World Trade Center, and then across the street from that is the uh, Market Hall. Where's Parkland from here? Parkland Hospital, you'll be seeing it coming up on your right-hand side here as we're coming approaching it. Uh, We're on I-35E, or also known as Stemmons Freeway. It's also known as nine other things because uh, every <laughs> freeway in Dallas has five names. But uh, if you look, if you'll, I say if you look, okay, Tom, if you'll look at your right hand window, you'll see the trademark, which is where these cars are right here. Yeah. There's Market Hall. Yeah. And then the building that's behind what looks like a big lipstick casing uh-huh. will be Parkland Hospital. So it's coming up on Medical District Drive, which used to be called Motor. This uh, Renaissance Hotel, is this the one that's got the big chunk of the Berlin Wall at it? That's actually across the street. That was uh, over here at the Anatole. Oh, the Anatole, that's right. Yes, I do. That's actually part of the Parkland Hospital complex. It wasn't nearly as Yeah, No, no. Parkland Hospital is just four wings, and that was it. Now it's an entire campus that goes and crosses... Uh, shoot, man, it crosses a couple of streets. In fact, the old St. Paul Hospital is part of the, uh, the Parkland Hospital as well. 
and uh, yep, there it is. I wonder if they have any uh, commemoration or any plaque or anything there at the hospital now. At one time, there was a very large plaque in the in, in the entry that stated that at this at that particular junction on November 22, 1963, Parkland Hospital was the seat of not only the federal government, but also the state of Texas government, because both uh, John Conley, the governor of Texas, and uh, John Kennedy were at that location at one time. So the federal government and the state government were all in one house. You can't say Dallas doesn't love you, Mr. President. Who said it? Famous last words known from Nellie Conley, John Conley's wife. And she, uh... Nellie Conley, uh, John Conley, did not live nearly as long. Is Nellie still alive, or did she just die a few years ago? Nellie passed away a few years back. Uh, but she lived a long time and had very, um, very outspoken about what happened that day. Had a very clear recollection of everything that happened. She had her own uh, views on, you know, where the bullets came from and everything else, and was not shy about discussing it. She was really a tough old bird kind of a, a gal. And uh, jerk in a Z4 just uh, went by us. But uh, Governor Connolly, his health was severely debilitated by his injuries in uh, in the shooting. He, yeah, but a couple of things changed for, for John Connolly. Uh, the first thing that a lot of people remember about John Connolly is when he was governor of the state of Texas, he was a Democrat. And he changed parties, became a Republican, and then became uh, Secretary of the Treasury under what president, sir? Uh, Nixon. Yes. I knew that because he was also very outspoken during the uh, Watergate hearings. He was, but who also was part of the uh, Attorney General's office under uh, Nixon? He just spoke to her, to his... Oh, that would be Morton Downey Jr. And... Uh, who was good friends of the Kennedys. Go figure. Well, you know... Politics makes strange bedfellows, and uh, I, I think it was, um, oh God, who was that agriculture s- secretary that was caught with the stripper out in the fountain? Anyway, uh, Wayne. Uh, uh, yeah, down with uh, Fanny, whatever yeah, at the yeah. at the at the basin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wayne. I forget his last name. Well, so yes, we've done the entire tour today. We've walked the streets of Dealey Plaza. We've gone to the Sixth Floor Museum, which was spectacular. I think Dave and I both agree that it was a wonderful experience, but for real super hardcore uh, JFK assassination buffs like ourselves, it's a must-stop. Uh, I love seeing all the different cameras, most of which were the actual cameras used on the day, both, um, you know, just actual snapshot cameras and movie cameras. Uh, that The average citizen back then, you know, they didn't have video cameras. They weren't, you know, so if you wanted motion, and a lot of people did, you had, and there were so many varieties there. Uh, they had 10 or 12 different cameras that people used, and... Uh, well, the news cameras were 16 millimeter. And, you know, that's what the news media was using, uh, the Bell and Howell 16, and you had the rack turret uh, uh, lenses, the zoom lenses and the what have, or not zoom, but close-up lenses. Then you had what Abraham Zapruder was using, which was just a, uh, an 8 millimeter. And it wasn't even Super 8. It was just an 8-millimeter movie camera. Well, the 8-millimeter was actually a wider format than Super 8. And a lot of people, myself included, think a better format than Super 8 because of that reason. Uh, interesting to note that one of the guys that took a lot of pictures on the day was named Charles Bronson. And he had not only um, you know, a, 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 a regular camera, he had a, f- a movie camera as well. He had both. And he, he shot... Most of his still photos with an Argus, just a little Argus camera, which, uh, yeah, uh, pretty pretty cool little camera. So that was cool. Uh, Dave and I, I think both really really were struck by the sword that was uh, used or being worn by the Marine who was uh, he was the first he, he was the guy who who was standing guard over the president's body in the rotunda. Uh, while he laid in state and then the thousands and thousands and thousands of people came by to pay their respects and talked about it a little bit. Well, a lot of people don't know that uh, the guard 
that stood guard uh, over the casket, A, was changed out every 30 minutes, and B, uh, in this particular case, uh, we're, we're referring to a gentleman by the name of William Lee, who was a commissioned officer in the United States Marine Corps, so he carried his Malibuc uh, uh, sword, his saber, uh, as part of his uniform, and he donated it, uh, or it's on loan, actually, to the Sixth Floor Museum, and of course it has the, the inscription and the engraving uh, of the United States Marine Corps in his name, and it's very, very impressive. It's a, it's a wonderful piece that the museum has, but the other side of that also is to find out through his words, through his own words, of how emotional, and you can't be when you're a guard. I mean, it, I think it's one thing, and, and I'm certain a lot of guys will say this, that, that stand guard, it's one thing to stand guard over a casket of a fallen soldier. It's another to stand guard over the President of the United States, which is your commander-in-chief. And in this particular case, you ha- you cannot show emotion, and which was very difficult for all those gentlemen that stood guard uh, during the overnight and the vigil that they carried uh, for the two days before the actual funeral. Well, in Jackie, he talks about Jackie and uh, how incredibly uh, she looked more forlorn than any human being he'd ever seen and how she lingered there. Uh, at the casket. Um, I thought the museum did a good job of constantly pointing out that lots of Americans disagree with the official story and they disagree. One of the things I've always been struck by is that when the House of Representatives did their investigation in the 70s, their sound experts said there was a 95% probability that more than three shots were fired. And then the uh, FBI and the Department of Justice then did an additional study saying, no, we reviewed our original study and uh, have come to the conclusion that we've been right all along. Yeah, and okay, so who are you going to believe? You're going to believe the guys that do this as a, this is their job, they're the experts, or are you going to listen to a bunch of idiots who are bureaucrats? This goes back to the point that I tried to make early on when we've been talking about this. The main question, again, is not the who, but the why. Okay. But doesn't the but doesn't the who help you figure out the why? Not necessarily because, okay, it could have been anybody shooting the president. We're never going to know. We're never going to know if it was Oswald. We're never going to know if it was someone hired. It was. It's never going to be known as to who pulled the trigger. But the question now arises as to why the trigger was pulled, and why was the head of the head of state, the head of the free world, taken out? And especially the way that it was. Well, you and I have stood in the 6th floor. We've both stood near the, the sniper's perch. We both saw that if you're coming up Houston Street, you have a straight-on shot. Why do you wait till he turns onto Elm Street? Why in the world does anybody wait to shoot through foliage when you have a clean shot head-on? Well, it's a closer shot, too. Maybe it's the down angle. I don't know. But I, I'm of the opinion that, yes, why is important. But I, I, I don't want to truncate the investigation of who because I feel like that might lead you to why. I mean, if, if you can really find out who, and I mean really find out, that path that leads you to that, I think, personally, uh, might get you closer to why. Possibly, but okay. Here we are 50 years later. The who's really not going to matter because most of the who's are dead. So the who doesn't really matter. So now it goes back to the question as to why. Okay. Let's go back as to what we were discussing during lunch when we weren't recording. Here, here are the reasons why you murder somebody. We talk about greed. We talk about lust. We talk about revenge. Okay, so who we sure do all the time. Not just about this. No, but but who benefits in the death of the president of the United States? Who benefited with the death of Kennedy? Ari Aristotle Onassis. Only because he got Jackie out of the that's deal. Right. But that's that's not here or there. But let's go back and let's let's think this one through for just for just a moment. I asked you, where was General Dynamics? Now, you said it was in Indiana. No, no. I said Groton, Connecticut. Groton, Connecticut. Okay. General Dynamics, their plant was in Fort Worth, Texas. One of their plants. The plant that was doing the F-1. Right. But, I mean, there's other, like, there's submarine plants and all that are in Groton. I understand that. But who gets, but but the contract is where for the F-1 in Dallas? Bell Helicopter, where are they located? Hearst, Texas. Right. Let me continue. Uh, The the, uh, flotation bridges. That were used during Vietnam. Where were they built at? Well, I don't think it has to be in I, Dallas to be the global military it's complex. It's not Dallas. Brown and Root. Where's Brown and Root? Houston, Texas. Who was on the board? Or in Texas in general. I, just, okay. so I don't who think was, that has much to do with it. Who was on the board of directors of Brown and Root? Well, uh, I don't know. Lady Bird Johnson. So now the first lady is involved not, with it. 
not the first lady. Well, at the time, the second lady or whatever not, they call not, the not, vice not, presidents. Not the first lady. Her husband. Right. The appropriations for the United States military goes through who? If appropriations go through the House of Representatives. Exactly. And who was at the time, the biggest influence in the House of Representatives at the time? And yes, he was vice president. But where did he come from? Well, the vice president is the president of the Senate, not the House of Representatives. But the, No, he was a congressman. He was not a senator. Well, but when he becomes vice president, he's the president of the Senate. He is. But my point being is, where does he have all this pull? With his buddies. Well, he has a lot of pull in a lot of places if he's the vice president. But see, I don't, I don't think you're if not you're going. Well, no, I'm just saying that if you're going to assassinate a national figure, the the whole idea of it being Dallas, Texas, or whatever, that's just the place they picked. I don't think it has to be a lot of uh, inside dealings. It has nothing to do with the place being in, that he was shot in Texas. It has to do with the fact that the vice president of the United States at the time had more ties to the military complex. Yes, grant you, they were all from Texas, if you will. General Dynamics, Bill Helicopter, Brown and Root, so on and so forth. That's irregardless. In 1962, John Kennedy already put into place that by 1965, he was pulling all the troops out of Vietnam. What happened after his death? What happened to Vietnam? Well, he stayed there for much longer than 1965, but We've see- been there since 1945. Yes. So- French Indochina. So from 19, well, even the Americans were in there in 45. They were... Well, it wasn't called Vietnam at no, the time. It was no. called French Indochina. I know. But even still, but we were still involved at the time, we being the United States. But we pulled out in 72. But the, but the big thing is but if... We didn't until 75. If we're gonna, if we're gonna say that, that see, I just don't think that all those things. If if some people, whether it's the mob, whether it's the global military industrial complex, whether it's just a crazy guy, and that's why I think that the 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 who is important. I I think that the the important thing is they chose to do it in Dallas, Texas, for whatever reason. No, the, the place where he was shot at had nothing to do with it. I mean, he could have been shot in San Antonio, could have been shot in Austin, Texas. Hell, he could have been shot in Washington D.C. John Kennedy pretty much had a premonition he was going to die anyway in office. Sure, he, and he actually said if somebody really wanted to kill me, it wouldn't be that hard to do. Exactly, and be it that he had an open car, or where he was out and about, or it didn't matter. You know, taking his life was not going to be that difficult to do, and he knew that. But that's not here or there. As far as where he was shot at, where he died at, it had no. that, that has nothing to do with Dallas. It just happens to be the place at that moment on November 22, 1963. Bad place, bad timing, the whole nine yards. It's the matter of why. The matter of why is who benefited from his death. Well, there's a whole bunch of people that wanted him out of the way, and none the least of which was the mob, or the Teamsters, or organized crime, whatever you want to call it. I mean, and and then and then there's like connections between Sam Giancana and JFK and uh, and the military. I mean, the military went to Giancana and asked him what's the best way to kill Fidel Castro. They were trying to get the uh, mob to help them assassinate people, the CIA or whatever. I mean, if you're saying the why is that Kennedy just had to... Oh, and by the way, the mob was a little bit pissed off at the Kennedys over the whole Chicago thing and, and, and Joe Kennedy uh, the basically telling him, look, you do me this favor, get my son elected and he'll be easy on you. And then Bobby and, and uh, Jack going, no, I don't think so. And sending uh, Hoffa to prison for five years and that whole thing. I mean, I think there's there's probably 20 reasons that politically or militarily that you could point why, at. Why did Bobby Kennedy send Hoffa to jail? The Attorney General of the United States sent him to jail after the death of Kennedy. Yep. Yeah, it was in LBJ's administration. That was not that was not his brother's administration at the time. Right. So it was already. I mean, I think that's kind of after the fact that they got pissed off. No, I think they were going to do it anyway, but I think also Bobby at that point realized that he wanted to someday be president. Jack wasn't there to help him steward his way through, and he thought, well, this is how I can make my, you know, make my little political legacy uh, heading into the the election after LBJ gets out of office. Had Joe Jr. lived and not been killed in the uh, in the suicide mission he had while flying World War II, we'd be talking about Joe P. Kennedy as a junior as, as the president of the United States instead of John F. Kennedy because of the same thing. It was a legacy. Well, um, 
Why do you think 635 is always so congested? Okay, as we screech the gears there, boy, <laughs> grind it until you find it on that one. I'm sorry, we, we just ran into a huge traffic jam on 635. It's which under construction. That's but it's, it's always under construction. This is the WPA project of Dallas right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if they weren't tearing this up, these poor guys would not, they'd be out of work. Oh, wait a minute. Look at, oh, look at this guy. He's got. You got to see that. Too bad we don't have a camera. It says uh, he needs help. He's a former vet, but his JanSport backpack is brand new. That's a bright orange pack. <laughs> Wonder where that money went. I don't know. I, I know that. You want to see if he has a Mercedes Benz? Right I know that uh, there's something wrong with uh, a project this large going to the lowest bidder. But anyway, I've I've always. Oh, I used to have a goatee. Oh, that's like a, that, that's ugly to think about. Just yeah, big long uh, Jesus hair too. Um, I I have always bought into pretty heavily, as a matter of fact, the whole global and military industrial complex theory. I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Uh, uh, that that makes the most sense to me. Um, it makes more sense than saying the Russians had something to do with it or the mob had something to do with it. Maybe to to a background extent they would like to have done it. But the bottom line here is, okay, if, if, major if. Well, they were pissed since the Bay of Pigs. Well, the CIA was. Yeah. But the CIA was also going to be splintered and broken into a thousand pieces and thrown into the wind, according to John Kennedy. Yeah. He fired John Dulles. Well, he was he was wanting to dismantle he was wanting to dismantle a lot of things that powerful people did not want dismantled. Well, and Dulles's uh, his right hand man was General Cabell. General Cabell is the brother of Earl Cabell. Earl Cabell's who? Former mayor of Dallas. You got to know the Dallas tie in there somewhere. But well, and and you and I noticed that they didn't show as we were walking through the sixth floor they showed bits and pieces of the Zapruder film but they would show everything right up into the headshot yeah they showed bits and pieces of everything but the bits and pieces and I've always stated and I will continue to state even though there are people who will uh, go against me and say that no it was a lone gunman or the shot came from behind or whatever you know you don't have to be a ballistics expert you really don't this is basic physics if you're hit from the front Remember, Kennedy had a back brace on, too, so he couldn't move. There was no agility to him at all. Well, and, and the first shot that it looks like he's grabbing his throat... It went through his throat. That is actually, but, but importantly, that is actually a physiological response, a neurological response of being shot where he was shot. It's called a... Your, your, it's a reflex. Yeah, it is a reflex. Now, I've seen these crazy people talk about you know well they've shot goats and various things and sometimes when you get shot right in the front of your head you know right i mean in the back of the head your body does this and about that I, I just i don't buy it you know uh it uh, it's never made any sense as we right. sit here at vitruvian park if you look at the zapruder film closely the enhanced version which robert groden actually put together for the house senate committee in 1978 uh, on assassinations there's a, there's a frame, and there's a couple of frames where you see Jacqueline Kennedy holding on to the left arm, the left forearm of Jack Kennedy, as the, we just discussed, he's holding his neck, he's holding his throat, because that's where the first shot came through. Came from the back, went through the front of his throat, right underneath his trachea. And she's holding on to his arm. Her face is inches away from his. When the shot comes from behind, if it's on a straight trajectory and, as they said, it, the, the bullet casing was, uh, well, we have that magic bullet theory and the pristine bullet and all that yeah. BS, but, you know, if it hit the way it was supposed to hit, she would have been struck. She would have had blood all over her. As it came, as you look at the film, with her face as close as to his as possible, the bullet, when it hits, he go, his head goes straight back and the spray of blood goes up in the air, not out. Watch the film. The blood spray that we talk about, that pink burst, yeah. goes straight up. And it is a pink burst. It is, it, And we talked about the gruesomeness of it. If we really wanted to do a tour of, of uh, sorrow and morbidity, we would drive by the old site of uh, Sports Fan 990. We did. But I don't, I don't think uh, we did earlier. Yeah, we didn't just now. 
<laughs> yeah, we wave. I wonder. I wonder what's in there now. On that, we're in that spot. We're in that spot. Yeah. I have no idea. I really don't care. Is uh, is nine ninety even on the air anymore? I think nine ninety is on the air, but I'm not certain what. The Still Spanish gospel, probably. I, it's either that or hum tum. Hum tum. Hum tum. Yeah, you know East Indian music. Oh God. Anyways, well, but I have no idea. Let's uh. Let's see if we can get. Let's put the band back together. Let's see if we can get it back on the air. Um, well, that's Wait, gonna. So I just say I'm with the band. No, so we can, you know, do the station the way it should have been. We can. What was the, what was it called? Uh, the press box was that what the the first show of the that day was? Our, yeah, that was your first show. That was that was the morning show. But anyway, well, it was a, a joyous day spent with uh, Dave Michaels, who you heard about his kidney stone on last night's program. Uh, and uh, we went down to the Sixth Floor Museum and uh, walked around Dealey Plaza just a few days after the um, uh, anniversary, 49th anniversary of the Kennedy assassination. I guess this would be the anniversary of his burial today, right? No, the anniversary. He died on the 22nd. He was buried on the 25th, 26th. And this is the 27th, so this would be the day after. Um, so, sorry. Uh, but kind of in there. And it was actually pretty busy inside the museum. It wasn't out on the street. And as Dave mentioned uh, earlier, it, it does get busy on the street. Yeah, anyway, that's going to do it. Uh, continuing coverage will now end. And, uh, hey, how you doing? And, uh, well, that'll do it And until next time. November 22nd, 1963, shots ring out in Dallas. From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. A mere three days later, a man with uncanny psychic abilities predicts the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. He was the man who saw yesterday. The History Channel presents Earl Wooten Jr., the man who saw yesterday, a human being with psychic abilities whose unerringly uncanny predictions baffle experts to this day. Predictions made mere hours after the actual events. Man reaches the moon, and a week later comes the unnervingly uncanny prediction. The Challenger Space Shuttle disaster predicted just 36 hours after the Challenger Space Shuttle disaster. And the fall of the Berlin Wall predicted only 12 hours after the fall of the Berlin Wall. Nostradamus, ancient Mayans, Edgar Cayce, and Gene Dixon can all kiss the ass of The Man Who Saw Yesterday, Thursday at 8 on the History Channel. like to thank Dave Michaels for driving around and uh, being seen eating lunch in public uh, with me. And you should visit the Sixth Floor Museum if you're in Dallas or if you just want to check it out on the web. You can go to jfk.org and we highly encourage you to do that, folks. We'd appreciate it if you'd share this on your various Facebook pages. Trying to spread the word means trying to spread our little show here. We'd appreciate it if you'd like the Tom Gully show, not me, not Tom Gully, the person, but the Tom Gully show, the show uh, on Facebook too, if the mood strikes you. And of course, there's always the Tom That's where you can find everything about the show. I mean, everything. And if you use the mobile app, 
you got to go to the bottom of that and request the website. The website has so much more stuff on it than the mobile app. I'm sorry. It just does. Uh, there's the Tom Gully Show store. Store. I keep doing that. A uh, lot of great stuff there. Got keychains. You know. We got a regular keychain. We got a, a little nicer than regular keychain. Then we got a keychain that's like 20 bucks. Uh, I mean, it's, it's like a real keychain. We got cufflinks, whatever you need. And we always encourage you to subscribe on iTunes for free because if it's free, it's for me. By the way, if you go to that website, thetomgullyshow.com, the website version, you can actually subscribe via email. So every time we do a new show, you just get an email. And the link, actually the player uh, for the show, the podcast, is right in the email. And so then it's a real quick, do I care about that? And then destroy it. And you don't have to come knocking back at the website all the time. It just comes to you, to your door, like an old newspaper. Follow us on Twitter, at Atomic Palooka, too, so I can increase my clout and cred ratings. If I get enough points, we're all going to go to the aces. That'll do it for tonight. I'm out of here. I got to go talk to some people. I'll talk to you much later. Each night, Jay Johnson brings us in with the truth wagon. Go to jjohnsonmusic.com, and each night we take you out with the Catch-22 Blues by the Hitman Blues Band. Go to hitmanbluesband.com or hitmanbluesband.net, and we will see you next time. Can't lift a twig for a dog that's nothing big, but he don't want to. And the dog can't grab a cat, a raccoon can do all that, but he don't want to. And I dream of you at night while you hold your baby tight, but he don't want you. See it in his eyes from the way he tells you lies that he don't want you. He stays at work too long and you beg him to come home, but he don't want to. Girl, I'd be so good for you. I know you could love me too, but you don't want to. I've got a black book full of numbers. Of names I'll never call They only make me think of you And you'll think